G'day, humans. It's Chris with Alex. Uh, big <laughs> week. Uh, how you doing? What the, <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> Leave it in. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Wrestling All Style. Uh, by no doubt, you've uh, heard the biggest news in wrestling uh, that broke at 6.05 Australian Eastern <laughs> on Saturday morning. Uh, I got up. I put on, uh, what I put on? I chucked on wrestling Twitter just to see what was going on before SmackDown and Rampage. And I'm like, why is everyone joking about uh, Vince retiring? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, shit. And I've sent something to Alex because I'm like, oh, he's probably sleeping. And yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I was. Um, yeah, absolute nuts. Um, I had... I woke up to like several messages from different people, like, holy shit. Um, the day that I never thought would come came. <laughs> and yeah, wow. Um, that's all I can say. And it's, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's such a good thing. We'll, we'll talk more about it uh, shortly. But uh, do you want to discuss. Uh, we're not going to go through everything on TV this week because there is a pay-per-view and sort of G1's been lost in the shuffle this week. <laughs> but did I you want to touch on... <laughs> Did you want to touch on something that happened on uh, NXT that you made me uh, take note of? Oh, okay. So <laughs> I, I admittedly didn't watch the full show. I just heard about this particular bit and then I saw the clip. Um. So Cora Jade turned heel on Roxy, uh, Roxy, what do they call her, Roxanne Perez or something now? Um, yeah, I think that's it, the former Roxy of Ring of Honor. Yeah, so she turned heel on her the week before, and she turned heel on her when they won the tag belts. Um, so stupid, so <laughs> fucking dumb. But Such good shit. Then the then last week on NXT, Cora Jade does a promo and throws her NXT women's tag belt in a trash can. Uh, I'm sorry, what? She threw the women's tag belt in the trash can, and I assume that's the end of it. Of the NXT women's tag team championship. I assume so, because, yeah, she threw it in the bin. <laughs> championship image. Hang on, I'm just looking this up now, because I thought Alex was not going to bring up what I thought he was going to say just then. Uh, championship bin. Oh, my God, she actually did it ringside. Yeah, she... So there's she, a photo um... here, she has a... Uh, a bin beside her ringside. What in the... Yeah, she uh, full-on Alundra blazed it. <laughs> so, okay. um, so let's just say uh, between that tag belt and the WWE women's tag belts, I don't think they're coming back. Hey, I don't... Oh, that's right. No one has the main roster ones because of what happened with um, Sasha and Naomi. Sasha and Naomi, yeah. 
So I think women's tag divisions are gone, and you know what? Good. Good. The views of Alex do not reflect the views of Chris Funder. No, I, I think it's good that <laughs> they got rid of it because they clearly can't do it well. Yeah. So, yeah. Which like, makes what? Any impact. other... Any other company could be able to do it half decent, but this company's clearly incapable of doing anything decent with tag belts. Yeah. So why are they putting their own titles in the trash? Like, I mean, was it perfect? Broke the world title. Yeah, but he wasn't the champ either. And. No, I'm thinking WCW, they found either the hardcore or the TV. They found the TV title in the trash. Yeah, because Scott Hall threw it in the trash. <laughs> what a pittance. Here's like, the silly thing. <laughs> here's the silly thing about that. Yeah. He, like, for instance, say, like, I can't remember the exact locations, but he threw it in the trash in the arena at, say, for example, Atlanta, right? Yeah. Then, like, two weeks later, they're in, say, Charlotte, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan finds it in the bin at that arena. <laughs> so it's not like the next week, it's like footage from last week of him going through the trash after the show. No, no, it's like live and backstage, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan found it in the bin of a completely different arena. Now... <laughs> The only other one I can think of, at least with um, WWE, was there something to do with the hardcore title that Shane won and then he gave to somebody or he um, said he was um, vacating it and somebody just found it and started going along with that? Uh, maybe. Okay. Actually, no. There was um, the European title and Midian found it. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, and it was part of the corporate ministry, so that's where Shane comes into play, because, like, Midian... Oh, Shane threw out the European title, and then Midian found it, and Shane gave him permission to be the champ. <laughs> Nepotism. Yeah. Oh, boy. Long so, live yeah. the corporate ministry. <laughs> yeah, long live the corporation. Um... <laughs> So that leaves, what, Impact and NWA is the two, I suppose, somewhat major North American promotions uh, yeah, that yeah. have women's tag titles? Yeah, it depends on your definition of major, but definitely Impact. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I would consider uh, Impact to be up there. They do their women's tag belts really well. Despite, you know, my issues with, like, uh, Rosemary tagging with Tyre Valkyrie as the champs when Rosemary murdered Tyre. <laughs> um, she brought it back from the undead realm. She just doesn't remember that bit. Yeah. Maybe. I'd, I'd, I'd have to go back and look at it, and, yeah, I just haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, anything else of note? Because the only other thing I want to touch on is... Uh, AEW Fighter Fest Night 3, Week 2. 
Oh, yeah. yeah let's the, get the main event. Dub. Yeah. So, my problem was with this match. They say all the members of Inner Circle are going to be locked in this shark cage, and it's Hager and um, 2.0. Jericho and... Appreciation Society, by the way, not Inner I said Circle. Inner Circle. Yeah, yeah, my mistake with uh, the overlap there. But um, yes, Jericho Appreciation Society, Hager, um, Garcia, and 2.0 are in there, Matt Menard. Can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head. Uh, Angelo Parker. Parker, yes, thank you. So they're in there. Jericho goes in the ring, and Kingston's in the ring. And for some reason, Ruby Soho is the timekeeper. And I'm going, okay. And I'm just like, well, fuck. I guess Sammy and Tay are not in the cage, so they're going to get involved ringside, and it's just a waiting game. Or we're going to have a banger of a match where they don't get involved. <laughs> <laughs> Not, neither was the case. They didn't get involved in the match, but they came down and lowered the cage and released people, and I'm just like, fuck me, what is with Jericho and letting people out of cages in his matches lately? And then Anna Jay, like, helps him get, re- get out of the shark cage. Anna Jay turned heel and joined him as well. After two weeks ago, she's saying that she's staying in Dark Order. What the hell? Yeah. Um, confusing. Very confusing. Um, also, the match itself, not very good. Oh, yeah. The match was a, a damp squid, and with everything going on on the outside, it did not help. No. Uh, anything else to, to sort of touch on at WWE in ring-wise? AW in ring wise, uh, impact in ring wise, or anything else? Uh, not really, to be honest. Um, honestly, like outside of the pay per view, like wrestling TV this past week hasn't been that good. <laughs> no, no, it hasn't. So we get to Death Before Dishonor from Lowell, Massachusetts, in the Tasunga Center. Uh, you corrected me on this, saying this wasn't the same arena where Joe won his TNA and NXT championship in. No, because um, the arena that he um, won that in was the same arena Sean lost his smile in. <laughs> Sean loses his smile, Joe wins a championship, you know, it, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, it, it had, like... Um, it had very uh, Hammerstein ballroom-looking uh, balconies and stuff in that ar- particular arena. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, w- had you seen any of um, this show before you watched it? I had seen, like, little clips of things. I didn't really know results. I didn't know match orders, which was probably one of the most surprising things. Um, And I had seen, like, a little clip from Zero Hour or whatever it's called. Yeah, so their pre-show is called uh, Zero Hour. I went back and watched that uh, this morning, actually, so we can go through the pre-form, uh, pre-show matches here. Cole Cabana defeating Anthony Henry, who had his um, work horseman partner, J.D. Drake, in his corner in 10 minutes. 
the Truth Busters Ari Davari and Slim J defeat Shinobi Shadow Squad Cheeseburger and Eli Ism in about mm. five minutes. Now, this was the confusing thing. If you miss the pre-show and you miss this little clip and you're watching the uh, main shows we'll get to in a moment, you're like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> as, yeah. As we see uh, sort of uh, your dojo boys, your newly graduated squad of Alex Zane, Blake Christian and Tony Deppen, former TV champ there, uh, take you on not Tully Blanchard Enterprises as I sent Alex the very short-lived T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, uh, it is now the embassy because Prince Nana has um, used his money to buy Tully Blanchard's enterprises off Tully and Tully is gone. I so don't hate the... it. I, I, lo- I love Prince Nana back in the day, so it's cool that he's back. I just wish there was a better explanation. Um, yeah. I can come up with an easy storyline solution right now off the top of my head as to why Tully Blanchard got rid of the his enterprises. Here you go. Jay Lethal used to be best mates with Jonathan Gresham. Tully Blanchard decides, I'm going to have nothing to do with Jonathan Gresham because of his connections to Jay Lethal. And Jay Lethal this week just beat the... Sh- piss out of Ric Flair and had him bleeding. Bang. There's there's your solution. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's an easy out for it. So it is the embassy, former Tully Blanchard Enterprises teammates of Brian Cage in the Gates of Agony, Khan and Toa. Um yeah, making quick work there of Alex Zane, Blake Christian, Tony Deppen. And your main event match that sees well, main event on the zero hour that sees Willow Nightingale defeat Alison Kay uh, in 7.50. Commentary talking up, it's going to be like a number one contendership for Willow, which will be over the past year. If this is a number one contendership, they'll make it her third challenge in the past 12 months. Yeah. Uh, Did you catch anything else from the uh, pre-show? No, I did not. I did not, to be honest. So how did you watch this pay-per-view? Ah, well, um, a friend of mine hit me up and said, hey, I'm going to be doing a Discord stream. Jump on it and I'll watch it with you. I can't remember who that was. Oh, they sound like a good person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, some of the perks of being a Twitch VIP for at I am Chris Thunder or... Chris Thunder TV is that sometimes he might do a little watch along on his Discord channel. So um, maybe you humans should at least sub or follow Chris Thunder TV on Twitch and maybe you can benefit from those uh, experiences that I got to go through. It was great fun. Um, Yeah, getting to watch along a pay-per-view with you was awesome. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done one of those. Um, So we kick off here when we finally got things worked out uh, with the first match, and they say it's for the 60-minute time limit. I'm thinking, surely not all the championships in Ring of Honor go for 60 minutes. I'm thinking, 
I don't think they're going to say the women's is going for 60, which would leave the tag, which is two out of three falls, and they didn't say that. And the world title might... No, it can't be the world title, but uh, what goes on first, Alex? Well, it's the world title. <laughs> Absolute scenes. Uh, couldn't believe it when they opened up with that. Commentary did a great job of selling like their shock that it was opening up the show. Oh, how um, good was it to have um, Ian Riccoboni back calling Ring of Honor matches? Because while Caprice has been making appearances on um, AEW TV for like the Pure Rules matches and a few Ring of Honor matches, Ian Riccoboni sort of just had time off. Yeah, it was great to have Ian Riccoboni back. Um, the only stumble he had was when they tried to make him do the Excalibur job of saying a million words a second, hyping up what's coming up next in AEW. And, you know, don't ask other commentators to do that. I think only Excalibur's able to pull that off. Yeah, or at least give him a little bit more time because you weren't really <laughs> pushed that close to uh, your pay-per-view window at the end here. <laughs> yes. So it is Jonathan Gresham, the world champion, along with Prince Nutter, representing the embassy, taking on Claudio Castanoli with William Regal, representing Blackpool Combat Club. Freaking hell of an opener. Uh, the, the crowd like, the crowd is just into this just from the beginning. Yeah, uh so great, so great. Um, just a Matt classic, basically. Just technical wizardry going on with these two. Uh, the the size difference did sort of take me out of it every now and then, <laughs> but but Jonathan Gresham's such a believable wrestler. He sort of makes you forget about it eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this going 11.30 with uh, Claudio getting the win here. New Ring of Honor world champ. They got shoot off the confetti cannons as um, he celebrates in ring. I did like they um, they continuing this AEW thing of uh, Regal joining commentary for the matches. And Regal does a great job here sort of explaining like a lot of the submissions Jonathan's going for and that. And um, he'll do a really good job during the um the pure rules match later tonight, but I like how he um addresses the guys as well. Yeah. Mr. Coleman, Mr. Rickabani. Geez, that's quite a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he said something like borderline offensive at one point. He said something about it being a mouthful and he said said the altar boy to the priest or something like that. Okay, I mustn't have caught that part. <laughs> yeah. I was, and you can just hear him just go, oh, maybe shouldn't have said that. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but um, as someone that actually listens to his podcast every week, which he has a podcast out, because obviously he does, everyone does. Um, I mean, if we do, why won't we do? Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you want to listen to one of the greatest minds in the history of the business? And it's such a great listen. But, man, 
the jokes this dude comes up with is just it's such a highlight every time it's it it's always like one of those sort of borderline dad jokes borderline offensive but it's not too offensive it's so great i love william regal yeah uh, so we go on to match number six of the evening that sees the righteous Vincent Bateman and Dutch with Vita Von Star. The righteous get in. Yeah, so the six man tag belts exist. Yeah, we remembered this is a thing. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I actually made a mistake on Smack It Down the last episode that came out, because someone said, oh, whatever happened to the Ring of Honor six-man belts? And I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure Shane Taylor Promotions has it. <laughs> but it wasn't them. I, I thought no. they were the champs, but the Righteous apparently beat Shane Taylor Promotions for it. Yeah, at, um, oh, what's the year-end pay-per-view? Final Battle. Final Battle, yeah. yeah. Um, Before they went on hiatus. Uh, someone put Stokely Hathaway with Shane Taylor promotions. Just saying. I just saying. Say no. And Shane Taylor had a good showing um, Mania Weekend at um, for the culture, especially. And have now, fucking Shane Taylor promotions debut by attacking Keith Lee and Swerve, and then Keith Lee and Shane Taylor wanted to get revenge on Keith Lee for abandoning their tag team they had in Ring of Honor. Jeez, you've got a good wrestling mind. <laughs> so, the team of the Righteous, I remember making this call and you're just like, God damn it, Chris. The Righteous, basically Ring of Honor version, version of Helter Skelter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that so, um, big dude, basically Dutch. Cousin Ali. Yeah. <laughs> big Bubba uh, Rogers. So, Vincent, is yeah. he Jake Andrew Arthur or is he Alan Payne? Because I think Bateman would be Alan Payne. Oh, yeah, it's tough because there's a lot of Alan Payne in Vincent as well. Um, let's say he is Julian James. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't that beat of one star? Hang on, it was Julian jo James that was their manager, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess Vita Von Star's Jake Andrew Arthur in my mind. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, I mean, did you see some of the moves she did in this match as a manager? <laughs> oh, um, man. So, uh, it is the Righteous. They are the six-man Ring of Honor tag team champs uh, taking on Dalton Castle and the boys now, who have names. But just to make it less confusing, we're going to call them Brandon Tate and Brent Tate. That makes it more confusing. And they're going, Brent has dyed hair or something, and I'm just like, B -b what? <laughs> just call yeah. one, like, call one Josh and one Brandon. Yeah, Jayden. call one, one of them Brandon and one of them's like, yeah, completely different sounding name, please. Oh, my goodness, yeah. And they're just going, boy one and boy two, and I'm just going, no, it's not helping. At least, um, oh, I was watching AEW Dark the other week, and I can't remember the tag team. It was Sorry like, to um, hear that. 
oh no, I put it on when I edited and stuff. Um, and it was like a newer tag team and commentary's explaining, oh, this brother wears uh, the handkerchief on his um, right-hand side of his shorts and the other one wears on the left-hand side of his uh, Oh, shorts. get fucked. Like the Usos used to do. Yeah, yeah, that shit annoyed the shit out of me back then. Because what happens is, like, later on in the match, their fucking handkerchiefs fall out. Because that yeah. used to happen all the fucking time with the Usos. And then it's like, and then the commentators get confused as to who's who. Yep. Um, Dalton, oh, I miss his um, I Want It Now song. Yeah. But also um, this new song he has, which is just a Muzak version of Radio Gaga. Yeah. I, I thought it fit really well, to be honest. It had that sort of corny 80s vibe to it, which works for him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really good good fit for him. Um, at least they seem to be doing something, and I'm not sure how long this pairing will last if this is just to bring the titles back home because the Righteous aren't under Ring of Honor deals, whereas... Dalton is, and you have um, most of your other champions are under an AEW or Ring of Honor deal, so. Yeah, well, yeah. what is it? Uh, Vincent's in Impact. Yeah. I don't know where the other two are. Bateman but... and Dutch, I think, are on NWA, or they were to begin with when Ring of Honor closed down. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and Vincent's a big part of that Honor No More stable in Impact. <laughs> So imagine being part of a stable called Honor No More and then you show up at Ring of Honor. With the Ring of Honor <laughs> Championship? Yeah, yeah. Honor Yes More? Fuck. He's not... He, is he in Honor No More? Yeah, he is. Because he was hanging out... He was like the madman that was controlling PCO when PCO was oh, feuding yeah, with Jonah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Good decision to take the uh, the belts off him then, if he is in that uh, position. Um, what do you think of the match overall? Going nine forty here, and the world title match I didn't mention went eleven thirty. Yeah. Uh, first of all, world title match. Uh, I'm normally would love like Gresham and Claudio to go twenty thirty minutes, but uh Considering what we had in the main event, it was a good call for them to go short and just have a sprint. Um, this match, nothing spectacular. No, but it didn't outstay its welcome either. No, no, not at all. Uh, following that is your Ring of Honor pure wrestling match for the pure championship that sees Willie Uta, the champion, defending against Daniel Garcia. Again, William Regal on commentary um, joining Enric Barney and Caprice Coleman. Uh, so I like at um, points here, like Regal's bringing up different um, things, saying like, oh, you know, like um, cauliflower ear really burns, it throws off the equilibrium, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, anything of note that you want to bring up here for this match in particular? Um, 
I thought this was a great match. I don't like the gimmick of Daniel Garcia being, oh, I'm going to take this belt and take it to AEW and tear it to shreds because I love sports entertainment when he doesn't wrestle like a sports entertainer. So did you watch the countdown, countdown to Ring of Honor special? No, I, I saw clips of Daniel Garcia's interviews on Twitter, but... I think the um, the Zero Hour did a really good job of this, how Daniel Garcia's, like, talking about the um the car crash that he had, and Will Yuta's like, we were supposed to change wrestling together, and Garcia's like, yeah, well, who was there for me when I had medical bills and struggling the payment all day? He's like, Chris Jericho donated more money to me than anyone else, and he was there when I needed somebody where were you Yuta? Yeah. so they did a really good job of building that up that this is why daniel garcia has turned his back on his friends and is with jericho which i don't think they've made like other than that first week or two they haven't really brought up enough no they haven't um i do remember it being brought up once but i feel like that should be something they really bring up and that's a good storyline they can tell like basically like later later on down the road, Daniel Garcia being emotionally blackmailed into loyalty with Jericho. Yeah. Like th- that's a story you can tell later on whenever you want to split them apart. But um, like all oh, that sounds great. It's just a shame they don't show it when people are actually watching. Yeah, that's true too. Um, so this to me was a really good match they have regal like on commentary saying well you know now garcia's in the ring i can say i spoke to young yuda and i told him if he uses one rope break we will be very disappointed in him at the blackpool <laughs> combat club and I'm, I'm thinking to myself what like you know he's gonna say that but you're just gonna be put in some sort of position where he's got to use the ropes or he's sort of crawls his way out under the rope to get a break. Yeah. And this this match goes 15.55. And how many rope breaks were there, Alex? Was there none or was there one? One. Daniel one. Garcia uses it when you'd have put him in, like, the um, Boston Crab walls of Jericho. Yeah. Um, also, like, William Regal on commentary, like, commentary were talking about the judges, which featured A. Steele and uh, Josh the Goods Woods and uh, some, someone else. I can't remember who it was. Um, right. And the commentary was talking about, like, uh, how the judges would score and if Josh Woods would even give Yuta a good score if it came down to the judges because Josh Woods was the one you to beat for the belt and all that, or Josh Woods was someone that you to beat recently. I can't remember. But anyway, William Bragle just says, uh, William Uta is going to be in big trouble and we're going to be really pissed off at him if he leaves it to the judges, which was a great story that they were telling too. Yeah, because as this goes longer and longer and no one's used a rope break, I'm thinking, are they going to go, like, the full 30 minutes here? Yeah. Are they going to go, like, close to 25 minutes and then Yuta's going to use one rope break and Regal's just going to be pissed on commentary the rest of the match? 
Yeah. Is he going to get in the ring and berate him for using a rope break? <laughs> but yes, Yuta retains here. It doesn't go to the judges, uh, defeating Gus here via pinfall. Yeah. Following that, the only non-title match on the pay-per-view, brother versus brother special <laughs> attraction fight that sees Dragon Lee versus Rush with Jose the assistant in Rush's corner. Rush, the older brother here. Yeah. Um, take a shot for every time commentary mentions Ryu Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it is confusing. <laughs> um, so if he's Ryu Lee, does that make Rush Ken Lee? <laughs> this is Street Fighter reference for you all. Uh, <laughs> I suppose it would. I suppose it would. Uh, so this was a really good uh, match, and throughout, like if you're just watching the the main card so far, you've had uh, this is match number four of the main card, match number eight of the night, and you've seen sort of something different in every match. Yeah, and. Uh, so this here is just a lot of um, storytelling, like both guys know each other so well. Uh, Roosh trying for different um, counters to Dragon Lee, Dragon Lee trying for different counters to Roosh. And it comes down to sort of the end of the match where Roosh is laid down and Dragon Lee goes to check on him and Roosh just capitalizes, uh, puts Dragon Lee into the corner, uh, bull horns, and then just pins him one, two, three. Yep. Yeah. Was this also the match with uh, the crazy outside dive? Yeah. By I Dragon Lee. So. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the uh the first time they go through the commentary table. Roosh is on the apron and Dragon Lee does this big tornado um torpedo like spear. And um he clips his legs on the rope going through, but he's that good he still lands where he needs to. Yeah. Uh yeah, really, really good match here. Um, and yeah, it's sort of the younger brother going, "Oh shit, he's really injured. I better check on him." Oh no, I'm caught. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, a really good match. From there, uh, match number nine of the evening is the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. Mercedes Martinez, the defending champion, taking on Serena Deeb. This match going 17-20. Any standout uh, spots here for you, Alex? Uh, honestly, this match... Uh, this match didn't do a lot for me. Like, Serena's great. She's so good. But something's just not clicking uh, with Mercedes Martinez for me. I don't know what it is. It's just... just doesn't interest me. Yeah. Mercedes Martinez with one of her padded moves, the spine buster. Yeah. <laughs> Triple M. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt uh, Serena deserved the win here. And yeah. I don't know why she submitted when you are building her up as this professor of wrestling character. Yeah. Like, I would have had her pass out in this hold rather than submit. Yep. So if you aren't going to pin her, have her pass out. It doesn't hurt Serena. She just goes, well, I can't escape. <laughs> have her keep fighting to escape until she passes out. And the ref does yeah. the whole lifts the arm thing. Or have Mercedes hit like 
three or four finishes out of nowhere and just fluke pin her one, two, three, and Serena kicks out at like four. Yeah. I still think with the amount of TV time each person's getting on AEW, the right person would have been Serena. Yeah, I agree. Uh, from there, co-main event of the evening, Ring of Honor World Championship match that sees Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and, um, oh, I'm forgetting the big guy's name. Um, what's the big Indian guy's name who's uh, teaming Sat- with Lee? Satnam Sat- Singh. Singh. Yeah. Um, all dressed up in white, saying, you know, in India, they wear white. And the only time they ever wear a full white suit is at a funeral. And tonight's going to be your funeral, Samoa Joe. And you said to me, why is Lethal doing a, doing a Ric Flair impression for his promo? Yeah, he's, he's, it's not like an outright Ric Flair impression, but it's like using the Ric Flair cadence. It's like, Samoa Joe! Wait! I gotta wear white! You know, that sort of cadence that an angry Ric Flair would use in the 80s. And I find it very interesting that, um, you know, an AEW slash Ring of Honor guy is headlining Ric Flair's last match and there's absolutely no mention of it on AEW slash ROH shows, Um, which sort of gives more validity to the rumour that, like, Tony Khan wants nothing to do with Ric Flair. Or Tony Khan wants nothing to do with Conrad Thompson. That I'm not sure of. Just because of things that, like, almost every week, Shivani and JR are advertising their Conrad podcast on Dynamite. But... It makes me really think, like, he's got two people that are signed to him in Ric Flair's last match, and there's been no mention. Yeah, Ric Flair, that whole rumour of they were going to bring in Ric Flair to be Andrade's manager last year or whatever it was. Yeah. And then then uh, Dark Side of the Ring came out and Tony Khan said that he wanted nothing to do with Ric Flair. I think there's a bit of smoke where that, a uh, bit of fire where that smoke is. Yeah, uh, so that is a really good point, but uh, we'll get yeah. to uh, how they uh, cover that shortly, I guess. I suppose it's weird seeing a um, two AEW, no, an AEW guy, a Ring of Honor guy, and a WWE executive in this match, and no one's talking about it. Yeah, yeah, um, it's so strange. It's so weird. Um. Yeah, and Mike is going to be the referee, too, so. Oh, good for him. Yeah, it's good that Mike is getting booked again. I'd, they brought him in for, like, one TNT title match for AEW, and they never used him again, which I thought was odd. Yeah. Did you notice our um, ring announcer today and our... Uh, so there's our uh, pure rules judges. We have Josh Woods. John Walters and A. Steele. The uh, various referees tonight were Mike Posey, Paul Turner, and Stefan Smith, and ring announcer was Bobby Cruz. Yeah. Uh, so are you familiar with uh, our third 
uh, judge there, John Walters? Uh, not too sure. Uh, is he a Ring of Honor OG? Yeah, his early days Ring of Honor, but other yeah. than that, I can't really tell you much. Yeah. But speaking of early days Ring of Honor, should we get to this uh, championship match featuring Samoa Joe for the TV title? Sure, we can. <laughs> sure, if we have to. So it starts off early, like Lethal's waiting at the bottom of the aisle way. Joe comes out, he goes to go down the entranceway, and he just sort of meets Lethal, and they just start brawling. So the bell yeah. hasn't rung yet, and then Satnam Singh gets involved, starting to attack Joe, and you know, they roll Joe into the ring and Lethal's calling for the bell, calling for the bell and the ref won't ring the bell. And the ref goes to Satnam Singh, points to him and goes, you're out of here. <laughs> goes to yeah. goes to throw him out of the arena and uh, waits until he's sort of starting to walk off before he calls for the bell for the match to officially begin. So we've gone about oh, roughly 10 minutes of brawling, brawling around ringside before we even begin. Yeah. Uh, start of the match, and you know, I felt this was a, a fairly paced um, match and really good. Anything uh, you want to touch on for this match? Um, yeah, I, th- I thought this was a great match. Um, I did say, looks like Joe needs, uh, uh, looks like Joe's hairline's starting to get away from him. Poor bugger. Uh, it's just weird, like. The last time we saw him, he had, like, this full, luscious, long braid, and now he's got a bald spot. Like, what happened in the past month? Um, Stress. Stress happened. (laughs) Stress happened, I guess. Been uh, hard times brought on to him by Satnam Singh. Um, But, yeah, I thought this was um, a good match. Like, Joe's definitely, like, lost a step or two. But he does a good job of trying to disguise it. And Jay Lethal is a fantastic wrestler. He um he did his bit bumping and faded for Samoa Joe. It was great. It was really good. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed this TV match as well. And now it is time for your co-main event featuring Ian Rick Bunny trying to run through everything that's coming up in the next month in two minutes. <laughs> Oh, poor guy. Um, so, yeah, uh, this is where we find out that Brian's back. Yeah. Um, uh, what? <laughs> Daniel Bryan will be in action this Wednesday against Daniel Garcia of Jericho Appreciation Society. It feels blah, like blah, blah, something blah, blah. that should be a bigger deal than they made it sound. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know if it's because he's got. TK in his ear going, hurry up, get all this stuff in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so we sort of learned that. He went through one or two other matches. Oh, Mox is going against um, um I can't remember their name. The, oh, he's going against Rush this week. Yes. He's 10-0 from his past 10 matches yeah. for the interim title. So uh, I think we can know where that's going. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, That's another thing. This whole Moxley interim title run's not really doing anything for me. No. Do you think they would have been better just putting it on Tanahashi and sending him off to Japan? <laughs> with it? I, th- I think 
they should have put it on Derby. When when it um when it was K uh not Cage, um Brody King and Derby in that uh Royal Rampage. Yeah, they should have just done a holy shit, Derby won it on Moxley's first defense. Yep. Yeah, just like it's not gonna count as a proper world title, so you can still save the whole Darby Allen's first world title win. Darby Allen And that'd be a rematch against Punk. In Chicago, maybe at all out. In Chicago at all out. That's that's Chicago guys. And yeah, what was Sam Punk's first match? Darby. Darby at all out in Chicago. So I just thought that would be like a good story to tell there. Uh that's just me in hindsight thinking about other options. But you you it still won't be a proper world title run, so you can save that for down the road. You can always like have people talk about Darby Allen being a former champ and then being like, Oh, but were you though? And you can always use that. And then you can Andre build it Palmer up. I'm a world champ, but were you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, like Ted DiBiase, former world champ, but were you? Um, <laughs> Brian Kendrick. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> world champ for like all of 90 seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's a story you can tell with it. But because um, Darby's been booked to absolute shit lately. Like, he hasn't been booked well. And how do you how do you combat that? Just like, holy shit, Darby Allen just won the world title. I think that would have been a great way to immediately rehab him. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. So, it is time for your main event of the evening. Was it? I think the time for the talk is done. It's time for the main event. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. I loved um I loved it on Rampage this week where they had Daniels and um Jay Lethal and Daniels is just like, Mark, just hurry up and say your catchphrase. I wanna beat this guy's ass. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like Christopher Daniels. I'm not sure how often we're gonna see the uh, the fallen angel wrestle. And it's weird yeah. not seeing him hanging out with um Elite Hunter. Frankie Kazarian. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, goodness. Uh, so it is two out of three falls match. FTR, Cash, Wheeler, and Dax Hardwood, the defending Ring of Honor world champions against the Briscoe brothers, Jay Briscoe and Mark Briscoe. Um, this is a long match, but before we get there, uh, Dax's promo on Dynamite this past week about his uh, talking about his family. Yeah, uh, heart-wrenching, great stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I have noted here, uh, headlocks can be more, ent- uh, can be entertaining because there's a bunch of, like, quick head headlock exchanges where, like, one person gets slip out, put the other person in, slip out. Yeah. Like, See, headlocks can be entertaining, just not by Randy. Yeah, you you said that and immediately like triggered a f- horrible flashback I have in my head of um, Warwick Thompson. If you're listening, 
you remember this very well. We talk about it semi-regularly when we went to a house show at Rod Laver Arena and the main event was John Cena versus R-Truth for the WWE title. And the main event went for like 30 minutes and like 20 of those minutes was John Cena in a headlock. Oh, man. R-Truth going to headlock his way to this title. When, when you like come to Australia and you... A, a country where you barely go to and the fans are just begging for anything wrestling related and you still manage to get a boring chant, you know you're doing something wrong. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so this match, there is so much to cover. I'm just going to have a quick look through my notes here. Uh, so... As we go through, there's just a, a lot of um, the Briscoe sort of isolating uh, Dax during the early part of the match. He yeah. goes to make a tag, but Mark will like, run around the outside and pull Cash off the apron, which sets up to a doomsday device by the Briscoes. One, two, three. Briscoes are up one nil, and commentary does a great job of this. Um, talking up, you know, Briscoes, in two out of three, four matches, usually if they get the first four, they'll sweep there. I think they said they're like four and one in um two out of three, four matches where they win the first four. Yeah. That they'll sweep. Yeah, such a great stat. Um, such a, like, obscure stat that I, I was very impressed they brought that up. They did such a great job on commentary storytelling for this match. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Doomsday device, God, I love that finisher, and it's good to see it, like, that protective. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's one of the most uh, spectacular-looking tag team finishes of all time. Uh, especially the original version where the Road Warriors just didn't give a fuck where their <laughs> opponent landed. Wasn't that uh, where guys were getting injured in Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, Minnesota, <laughs> Georgia, Carolinas, everywhere. Um, like, you just got to look up, like, the Road Warriors versus, like, Jobbers. It's the best when they just, like, Hawk comes off that top rope, the... The job guy's on Animal's shoulder, and Hawk hits the job guy, and Animal sort of just, like, flicks his arm up underneath the opponent's legs, like, as if he's got a bug on his shoulder, is just flicking it off him. And every single time, the opponent would, like, basically do a backflip and almost land on top of their head. It was just... Like, yeah, like, they could not give a shit about enhancement, guys. Yeah, also, they mentioned here, like, the um, Ring of Honor rules for two out of three, four matches. Uh, the people involved in the pinfall, there's allowed to be a short break, but yeah. you have to start the next four. You can't swap out straight away to your next guy. Yeah. So uh, once the ref deems it's ready, he sort of does the um the signal to, like, show both guys already like normally you would see in like um a standing 10 count to see somebody's good yeah 
I'm not sure if you caught that out of the corner of your eye or not. Um, no, I did not. And then shortly afterwards, they're chopping <laughs> Dax, who rolls out to the floor, and as he goes to walk in front of the camera, his chest is busted open. <laughs> oh, horrendously. And at this point, we're only 20 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. And this is also like during this this um event, uh, this match, I noticed you, I wrote down, like the crowd is so hot and the commentary has been so good. Yeah. And yeah, like this is what, like I was saying on commentary, it's like one of the top five most brought, like most brought Ring of Honor pay-per-views while they're live. It's one of the, um, one of the biggest uh, crowd gates they've had in a while and they zoomed out and you could see the crowd, which is unlike Ring of Honor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was nice to see a crowd come to their wrestling shows. Um, yeah. It looks like a much bigger arena than what they normally run, too. Yeah, that's true, too. They um, show a replay here, <laughs> and I've just noted in the replay that you can audibly hear Wheeler go, let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, then he gets cracked with the ring bell behind the referee's back by one of the Briscoes. Yeah, and they're just—he—he's just a crimson mask. It's not—it's not so much a mask; it's like a little streak trickling down his face for the rest of the match. Yeah. Uh, shortly after that, we see a big rig, one, two, three, and we are tied one-one. This is around the thirtieth uh, or so minute mark, I believe. Yeah, I don't have time to jot down here. Um, you said this looks like shades of bushwhackers versus brainbusters. Oh yeah, elaborate on that a little. Oh, if you squint your eyes real like tight while watching this, you can just sort of see the the grey camo and and you see like the red trunks and the classic wrestling boots, and it's like, oh, is that the bushwhackers and the brainbusters? It's just. It's just one of, yeah, it's just a weird observation that that's just kind of their attires. Um, commentary noted during this match that the Briscoes are now signed to long-term ROH contracts. Yeah, which is also like, I was like, why did they drop the Impact title so quickly? And it sort of makes sense now why they did. Yeah, on a yes more. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, if this was Smack It Down and we did like little podcast subtitles, yeah, that'd be the subtitle for today's episode. On a yes, more because uh, this was fantastic. Um, so the reason why, like, the reason was speculated about how um, Jay Briscoe said some awful things like 10, 12 years ago on Twitter. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why they didn't get signed to AEW. But also, like, I get that what he said was horrendous. I'm not, like, standing for it. But he's come out, like, multiple times and said that, like, what he said was fucked up. And he really regrets it. He's really sorry he said it. He wants to make it up to people. 
And like it was 10, 12 years ago. Give the dude another chance. And it's great that he's getting like another chance with Ring of Honor. Yep. Like people can change. Like Scorpio Sky said some very similar shit like 10, 12 years ago. And he got given another chance. And that worked out well. So, yeah, I'm glad that the Briscoes are getting a shot at, like, Ring of Honor again. Hopefully, hopefully they keep their noses clean and they eventually get given a chance at AEW as well. Because there's some matches I desperately need to see with the Briscoes in AEW. And one of which, I don't know if it's possible, but I need to see Moxley and Kingston versus the Briscoes. Lights out match. Just yeah, just here have twenty minutes and here's a and here's a ring underneath it is full of all the plunder in the world. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Speaking of uh, keeping noses clean, did you see the uh, photo coming out of a triple A pay per view? <laughs> that was a triple A pay per view. <laughs> Hang on, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, send you this. But uh, as we get towards the end of the match, did you? So at the end of the match here, both teams are sort of tied, and I believe it's Wheeler and Mark uh, spill out onto the outside. There's a big, like, table break spot. Yeah. I don't remember how exactly it goes off the top of my head. And then we see um, Jay tries for a Jay driller. He can't get it. And Dax is the one who gets the decisive pinfall win here. Yeah. For FTR to win two to one in around fifty minutes. Fuck me, what a match! What a match indeed. Um, yeah, fantastic stuff. I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, there's not much you can say about it that hasn't already been said. This is definitely a match of the year contender for me. And I said to you, like. At this point in time, Dax Harwood's in the front-running position for Wrestler of the Year. Yep. And the only reason that Cash Wheeler isn't is because, like, Dax Harwood got to have a couple of more singles matches than Cash Wheeler did. But, um, yeah, like, these, these guys, like, FTR are just on a completely different level. <sighs> Man, uh, they are the guys that are going to be carrying Ring of Honor, I think. Like, th this is the act to build your brand around. Yeah, without doubt. Absolutely. Whatever they want, just go, here, yeah. have it. Yep, just rename it FTROH. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't come out with those shirts yet, but although they, when they are in Ring of Honor, they do like to wear their ring of honor logo trunks which um yeah. brings me to another point with this um logo rebranding here for ring of honor. i suppose before we talk about that uh how many beers quickly uh for the entire show i'll give it four i thought there was two well one great match one incredible match the rest of the show was kind of skippable yeah uh good show but like nothing Nothing that you really need to take note of for the future. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd have to agree as well. Four beers. Um, 
So with this lo- uh, re-logoing of Ring of Honor... It's very you, old school Ring of Honor looking. Do you suspect we will see new Ring of Honor championships coming out soon? Because the six-man and the TV and the women's all use the Sinclair era logo. Then at the moment, your pure, your uh, pure TV, no, pure no, tag and world all use like the 0203 logo. Yeah, I would like to see like the TV, the women's and the six-man belts start to sort of at least somewhat match the colour scheme of the other three belts. Because yeah. I, I like that it's almost uniform. It kind of works for Ring of Honor. It doesn't work for like a major, major promotion, but considering this is admittedly a B brand of a major promotion, yeah, it kind of works. Yeah, this um, is going to yeah. be pretty much like the NXT UK to WWE, except yeah. it's in North America. Yeah. Um. I I like I would like to say like yeah the women's tat the women's the six man and the TV belts get changed I would like to see like Samoa Joe come out with a belt that kind of looks like a belt Joe should be wearing it it doesn't really suit him I don't know what it is about it oh man that first Ring of Honor logo is just disgusting doesn't that scream two thousand and two Oh, who was the um wrestler who designed it for him though? I can't remember. Oh, damn it! I know who, but I just can't remember off the top of my head. Um, da, 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 da. but yes, that first logo very, <laughs> very two thousand looking. Yeah, you the, expect uh, to see it like like see a sticker of that stuck underneath someone's skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You see that and like a globe sticker, maybe in uh maybe uh what was the other shoes called? Etnies and etnies Vans. Vans, yeah, see those stickers underneath the skateboard. <laughs> Man. I just remember just gave myself flashbacks of the first ever pair of globe shoes I got when I was younger and how cool I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> so the last little uh, thing, I suppose, on the uh, Ring of Honor front, do you think they keep the dojo and, like, is Delirious still with Ring of Honor? Yeah, there's a lot of questions unanswered. Um, I have no idea. Uh, I think they should keep the dojo. But, but if... I guess they should because AEW doesn't have an official like training facility anymore. They sort of have Nightmare Factory with QT Marshall. Yeah, but you got to remember who else runs that training center. Who else runs it? Who else is a teacher there? Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Cody. So can so can you really consider it an AEW deal anymore? And then I suppose, I don't know if you did watch the, uh, if there even was a post-match press conference from Ring of Honor, 
but uh, I, had... I, there was. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I do plan on watching it. Do you know if Tony's uh, come out and said anything about a TV deal or a streaming deal or anything he's, for Ring of Honor yet? He's still trying to get a TV deal, from all I've heard. Okay. He's still working on it. For me, um, he I'll also look, did say he also did say that the Ring of Honor, like him purchasing Ring of Honor, wasn't actually finalized until like a month after he announced it on Dynamite. <laughs> like he said he knew he was gonna get it but legally he wasn't like the owner of it until well after supercard of honor like uh eric bischoff announcing that him and a group were yeah. in uh in negotiation for wcw have you ever heard about like the plans bischoff had for that oh because it would have been insane. Bits and pieces. I know he wanted to do, like, close it down for a month and then come back with the big bang. I know that was one of the ideas to... Yeah, he said he was going to keep, like, maybe half a dozen to, like, six to eight of the big names WCW had built around. And then it was... Because at that point in time, ECW was shut down as well. Mm. So... They were going to bring in Joey Styles. He said he wanted to build the co- company around Rob Van Dam. I mean, <laughs> if Rob could have uh, not had any problems, that's a good idea. Yeah, like it was. It was going to bring in a whole heap of the ECW people that um, didn't get a chance, and was going to eventually, like, yeah, have like your poster faces of like your Hogan's, your Nash's, your Goldberg's, all that, but eventually fade him away to build up some younger guys. And he was like, oh, yeah. Like, I I had heard of a guy called Sam Punk on the indie scene in 2001. Like, I'd looked into him. It's like, what fucking world we could have lived in if, if Eric Bischoff got to buy that company. It's the same sort of thing that Heyman... Uh, has gone on record and saying about ECW that if ECW had have made their payments and could have kept on going, he was going to change from hardcore and sort of switch to more of a, a Ring of Honor style that we would see come out. Yeah. And with what I've since learned about Gabe being somewhat in ECW and then being a right-hand man of Paul and being around yeah. Ring of Honor when it started. And he actually started it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, Gabe yeah. Sapolsky. Well, uh, Rob Weiss, Feinstein was the, like, money guy, and Gabe Sapolsky was the booker. And then, like, Rob Feinstein got literally caught on that Catch a Predator TV show. Oh, with um, Chris, whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, being a predator. And then oh. um, that was when... Um, a lot of people jumped off the Ring of Honor train in 05 and like Samoa Joe and Daniels and AJ Styles decided to sign exclusive contracts to to Impact instead of Ring of Honor. Yep. That yep. makes sense because that's around the same time as the uh, Sinclair sale. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I suppose anything else before I send you this uh, 
we go to the news news. Yeah, hypothetically, is there another company you would like to see Tony Khan purchase? As in current company to run or... Yeah, yeah, like another, like, sort of feeder brand for AEW. I mean, before pandemic, I would have told him to look somewhere globally, but I think now that he has a ring of honour, his options are a bit stretched. You know what? Buy WSW, Forrest. How so, about just be a tour of AEW and Ring of Honor to Australia? So I have a weird like feeling that at some point in the next year or two, I don't I don't know if it's possible, but I feel like Tony Khan will buy a Japanese promotion. <laughs> I, I I don't I'm just know. Just trying to think off the top of my head, and like the first one that comes to mind. Is DDT? No, because DDT is in that partnership with uh, Cyberfight that's owned by Noah, which is some big conglomerate now in uh, Japan. All right, uh, a promotion in Japan doesn't have to be one of the big ones. Like, uh, oh, Tokyo Joshi's part of that Cyberfight thing, isn't it? Yep, Tokyo uh, Joshi Pro. Um, DDT, Noah, and there's one other. Like a zero one, does that exist still? Zero one wasn't that Mudo's promotion for a while, and it closed. It closed down. That's why Mudo went back to. Um, oh, okay, okay. Maybe Japan might be out of the question. So Japan, <laughs> um, he'd have to buy something really um small. As I just try to bring up the um. Uh, the uh, thing here. Pro, oh, that's why I couldn't find Pro Wrestling Noah. I went Noah Pro Wrestling. Uh, no, a Pro Wrestling, please. <laughs> You're not going to stop making that joke now, are you? <laughs> uh, professional Wrestling in Japan. What's For dra- Japan. Who's Dragon Gate run by? Um... One guy. There you go. Since they closed down their two affiliates in the UK and the US. There you go. There's your Japan feeder system because you just know he loves Japan wrestling. You just know he he's thought about buying a Japanese promotion. Who's all Japan run by? Whilst we do all this live. Yeah, I know this is so stupid. but Just one guy as well. There's another target. And and you know he'd want it because he'd love the back catalogue. Yeah. That would come with it. Like, oh, yeah, have all these, like, awesome, like, handsome matches from back in the day. <laughs> like, oh, here's Vader and Hanson and Vader's eyeball falls out or whatever. I think that was all Is Japan. Is that in all Japan? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Ooh. Yeah. Have you watched that back? Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking insane. But also, it's a fucking great match. Man, Uh, Stan Hansen's so good. Like, the Lariat is the best, like, 
work shoot of all time. Like, everyone sees it and thinks it's a work, and then you hear from all of his opponents, oh, old Stan, like, yeah, he was blind as batshit without his glasses on, so in the ring, he he didn't know if he was going to hit you in the chest or the chin or the face with that lariat. And he never, like, he never half ass swung it. He always swung for the fences with it. <laughs> so... You never knew what was going to happen. Uh, this is completely sidetracked anyway, so... Yeah, it uh, seems that, uh, yeah, All Japan saw the only one not owned by a major corporation and the only major promotion uh, run where it's headquartered is outside of Tokyo. And you know who has recently wrestled for All Japan Pro Wrestling? No. Rene Dupree. I'm calling his comeback soon. <laughs> Gosh. Um, should we get into the news? Oh, man. If we have to, yeah. Let's talk about it, pal. So you've been waiting, and here it is. Let's talk about the news, pal. The news that none of us ever thought would actually happen. Vince McMahon retires from WWE. Age 77? 78. I'm retired. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, 77 or something. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He had a good run in the business, I suppose. He <laughs> 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 had a good run. Uh, from 1982 until 2022. Yeah, uh, 76 years. All right, so, like, uh, I'm a bit conflicted on how to talk about him now, now that it's, like, pretty much confirmed he's a massive piece of shit. Yeah. Um, like, we all knew he was, but now it's confirmed. I, I don't know how to talk about this news. Um, so I'm going to have to go for the unfortunate fucking Benoit stance on this where I'm going to talk about the guy I saw on my TV screen. <laughs> and then I might talk about the person or the businessman or whatever. But without him, we we aren't here. We aren't talking about this shit. Like, no. he, t- he took this fucking carnival act and made it a worldwide fucking mega brand. And you can't help but, like, respect him for that. Um, he did it in very fucking carny ways, but, you know, that's just kind of business. Like, uh, I run a very... Going the territories? Yeah, I run a very small thing... <laughs> from home, like a small logistics thing. I never talked about it on there before. I don't care anymore. Um, but I've learned in my like four or five years of doing it that you're going to have to cut some throats if you want to make some money. And this dude fucking loved cutting throats and brought home a lot of money. Um, <laughs> I, I I never enjoy cutting throats to make money. He fucking loves it. He fuck 
His his sword was covered in the blood of uh, promoters from the territory days. Um, yeah, what he did to the wrestling business, uh, it, it was fucking incredible. It's incredible what he did from a business standpoint. Uh, was it a good thing for the wrestlers? For like. It's like, oh, yeah, it is a good thing because now they have chance, the chance to make millions of dollars. But also, it's not a good thing because wrestlers would go from territory to territory and learn distinct different styles in each territory. Like Memphis, like that, that was like the precursor to the ECW style. Like in Memphis, there was a lot of brawling and... Like, there was a lot of blood, all that sort of stuff. And then you'd go to, like, the Carolinas and Jim Crockett promotions and learn how to do the technical wrestling and learn how to generate heat. And then you'd go to world-class championship wrestling, like, in Texas and learn how to be a, like, white meat baby face and tell tell storylines and stuff like that. And you'd go from different territories to learn little tricks. So, like, it's a shame that that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> but now wrestlers have the chance to become, like, worldwide household names and earn millions of dollars. And if it wasn't for Vince McMahon, like, The Rock wouldn't be the highest-paid fucking movie star in the world. John Cena wouldn't be doing what he's doing. Like it, Steve Austin wouldn't have his own beer line. Steve Austin wouldn't have his own beer line. Like, fucking Ric Flair wouldn't have every other fucking rap song written about him for some fucking reason, which is a trend. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what the fuck is up with that trend, by the way? It's like, oh, all these, like, like urban rappers are just like, oh yeah, I idolize this fucking wrinkly old white man <laughs> in an ill fitting suit with fucking yellow teeth. Like, what's up with that? Uh, it's it's not grills, by the way, it's legit yellow teeth. <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck. But, um, oh, I'm just going nuts on Ric Flair today. But like, what he did to the business, like, celebrities and wrestling like didn't really go together like there was one instant of it being su successful before wrestlemania and that was andy kaufman in memphis and i don't think he's never admitted it and bruce pritchard denies it but I swear Vince saw that, that work in Memphis and then decided a couple of years later, oh, let's build a fucking card around some celebrities. And WrestleMania was born. Yep. Like, and so, like, people that complain each year, oh, there's a celebrity match at WrestleMania. That's literally the foundation of WrestleMania. <laughs> That's what made WrestleMania a thing. You had fucking Muhammad Ali outside. You had Mr. T in the ring. You had Liberace as the fucking timekeeper. Like, it was a circus act. And he made... He just 
completely changed the business. Like it used to be smoke filled arena with grizzled old men. So yeah, like he's fucking incredible. He's an absolute genius, Vince. That's one half of the story. And then the other half is he's also a massive piece of shit. But yeah, I mean, we wouldn't be fans without him. Some of my favorite memories as a wrestling fan growing up is watching him and Austin do their thing. Um, yeah. He even wasn't that bad of a commentator. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as I'm looking at the wrestling territories here, uh, which ones did Vince sort of take over? Because we see in the Northeast, WWWF, which was his um, father's. So we go up to uh, Halifax, Atlantic Grand Prix. Did he have an influence on that? I'm not exactly sure which specific ones he bought out. I know okay. he bought Stampede for sure. So Stampede's over here in Calgary, yep. I think uh, he pretty much bought out a lot of the smaller ones, and then all that was really left was um, Jim Crocker Promotions, which was like in that um yep. mid-atlantic promotion that you see there and then awa uh which is awa all... is up here minnesota yep uh wow, so they that... had a big big market awa yeah and you gotta remember like how fucking ruthless vince was like if a promotion didn't let him buy them out what did he do he fucking stole all their stars so, so Jim Crocker Promotions, like, there was admittedly was like one week where Vince like sort of bought their TV deal from under him. Is that what's referred to as Black Saturday? Yeah. And then, um, so then like in Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, who were some of the big stars they had at the time? Roddy Piper, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Paul Orndorff was there. <laughs> Um, yeah, so those sort of guys, and Jim Crocker wouldn't sell, Mid-Atlantic wouldn't sell, so what does Vince do? Offers contracts to those guys to leave that territory and start immediately with Vince. And then what is, he tries to buy out AWA from Vern, Vern won't have it, so who does Vince get from Vern? In AWA, he gets just like Mean Gene Oakland, Bobby Heenan, uh, and some dude called Hulk Hogan. Um, and also like some of Vern's biggest draws at the time, like one of his biggest draws at the time, which is fucking ridiculous in hindsight, was Dr. D. David Schultz, the guy that slapped the reporter, and Vince bought him from from Vern under the provision that they give no notice to Vern and they just fucking get out of there and bail. And then AWA was literally never the same again. It was just ruined. And then he'd start running shows in that 
ginormous AWA territory. And he'd and, start and he'd start running shows there, say like um say AWA is running a show in Minneapolis, another part of their territory might be Detroit or something like that in Michigan. Yeah. And so the same night AWA's running in Minneapolis, Vince would go to Detroit and run the same night. <laughs> and basically force like not not exactly breaking the so-called promoter's code of running the same town at the same night, but basically running the same territory in the same night, breaking a sort of promoter's code and forcing the fans in the territory to pick which one they want to go to. And are they going to go to the AWA, which they grew up loving, or are they going to go to Vince's show, which has all the AWA guys that they grew up loving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just looking at this map, is there anything other than WWF that's still around today? I mean, technically this weekend, Jim Crocker Promotions is running a show. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't get how. That's still a thing when they apparently filed for bankruptcy, but um, I suppose you can have your trading name be different than your legal name. Yeah. Um, no, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, it all ended up under Vince's umbrella one way or another. So the only one that's still left is, what, World Wrestling Council of um, Puerto Rico? <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah, that that still exists. Hang on, which one's the Memphis territory? Uh, um, so Memphis NWA Mid America Continental Wrestling Association number three. This pink one in the center here. Yeah, yeah, we'll Continental. That. That's it. Continental. Yeah. So Continental eventually gets buys out world-class championship wrestling. Yep. Which becomes the USWA, yep. which is which is where, like, Stone Cold starts. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, sorry, I'm just going through some of these because I didn't know a lot of their proper names. Uh, Amarillo, that was run by the Funks, surprisingly, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Who would have guessed? Yeah, um, San Antonio, that was run by Paul Bosch, which is where Bruce Pritchard started, Southwest Championship Wrestling. That oh. got bought out by Vince, okay. for sure. Yeah, um, Phoenix, I don't remember who ran Phoenix. Kansas City, uh, that was run by Harley Race. Yep, um, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, Big time wrestling in Detroit, so that's not part of the AWA territory. It eventually becomes like as Vince buys that out, that was run by the original Sheik. Oh, okay. Uh Sabu's uncle. Uncle. Um who else? Georgia Championship Wrestling. Uh that eventually merges with Mid Atlantic. 
championship wrestling from Florida was run by the Grahams, which is where Dusty got his start. So, like, Billy Graham? Ah, no, no, different uh, Grahams. But, yeah, it's so weird. Uh, Eddie Graham was the guy. Oh, yes, yes. uh, He kind of looked like Superstar, too. Uh, I think that's why Superstar got the name, actually. But, um... And I think, um, yeah, so Florida Championship Wrestling, Mid-Atlantic, and Georgia sort of all sort of become WCW eventually. Yeah. Um, National Wrestling Federation in Buffalo slash Cleveland, that gets bought out by WWF. I'm just, sorry, humans, I'm just literally going over everything here. I'm pretty sure Grand Prix Wrestling in Montreal gets bought by Vince. Yeah, because, oh, what's his name? Don. I can picture it now because Vince makes him Canadian champion, but never does anything with the Canadian championship. Dino Bravo? Thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that was part of the Dino Bravo deal. And they also got... um. Rene Goulet was like a top guy in that promotion. And he and like us people that watched in the 90s more so remember him as a guy with like this weird blonde bowl cut that used to come out and break up fights in a suit. Yeah. Um yeah, uh Atlantic Grand Prix Wrestling in one of those Canadian promotions. Uh if you could just scroll across towards Vancouver way. Yeah, I think it was All-Star Wrestling in Vancouver that was run by Jack Tunney, who would become the on-screen president for the WWF. So why did he leave WWF? Uh, He basically just retired. Okay. Is that when Gorilla Gorilla takes over? As the on-screen president, yeah. Yeah, so Jack Tunney basically like said oh you can have my promotion if you pay a certain amount and you keep me on tv (laughs) 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 so it's like all right you be the president and he was the most he was just such a shit president too (laughs) he just isn't there a story of him thinking he's the legit president (laughs) i've heard that yeah yeah where he thought he was legit the president um then gorilla becomes president And then Vader debuts and beats up Gorilla Monsoon and Roddy Piper becomes president for like three months. And then they get rid of the president role and replace it with the commissioner role. And who was the first ever? Oh, good work. Good work. Yeah, Sergeant Slaughter. Perfect guy for the start of DX to go up against with Rick Rude as well. Yeah. Oh, man, they announced over the weekend at San Diego Comic-Con that they're making a um, DX Rick Rude action figure, like him with the short hair and the beard and the briefcase in a suit. Ooh, oh, so good. I'm so pumped for it. I love it. And they're making a Doc Hendricks action figure. Wow. Yeah, Michael Hayes is the interviewer, like, holding the mic for Stone Cold, basically. Um. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, so good. They're making so many good ones. They're making Farouk in his debut 
outfit when with the blue helmet. <laughs> you say Michael Hayes in the suit with the microphone for Stone Cold as Doc Hendricks. Was that his name at the time? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like one of those, um, <laughs> uh, what do they call it, like Mandela syndromes where you think yeah, something that... happened but it didn't. And I've always just thought he was Michael P.S. Hayes there. No, like they made him cut off his long hair, shave before his beard. <laughs> yeah, before X-Pac, they made him shave his beard into a mustache so he looks more like a backstage interviewer. <laughs> They were trying to make him look like um, the host of uh, what you call it. I think it was Family Feud, Alex Trebek. And oh, he yeah. had like the big boofy pompadour with the mustache and stuff. They wanted to make him a real cheesy gamer, game show host type interviewer. Then what, three years later, he'd be dressing sort of like the Hardys? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, the funny story about that is that Michael Hayes wanted the Hardy Boys to dress like the Freebirds at first. Ooh. So, like, imagine what we could not could have gotten if the Hardy Boys didn't say, no, 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 you, you should be evolving with us because we're the next generation, so you should try to dress like us, not us dress like you, because it seems we like we're taking a step back. Imagine, imagine. we... We could have had, like, fatty pack fucking hardy boys. Just just waiting for, um, you know, a few months ago when Matt's been down by Andrade and all of a sudden you hear this music hit and it's Freebirds and Jeff's just there on the rampway going, do, 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 with his hands. But it's yeah. Freebird playing, so he's yeah. there for 11 minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hang on, I'll save you, bro. I've just got dance first. Do, 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 do. Oh, I'm going to attempt to sing Modest to the tune of Bad Street USA. Modest to the top. Do, do, do. Um, my God. I think uh, that just about does it. Of course, there'll be more to come out over the uh, the coming weeks. Oh, so we should probably talk about the fact know, we should yeah. talk about the fact that Triple H is now back as an EVP of Talent Relations. So he's in charge of Talent Relations and reportedly going to have a role in creative. Uh, Stephanie's chairwoman and co-CEO, and Nick Khan is co-CEO. Yeah. I mean, there's not really a lot to add that all the reporters haven't already said like 20 times over in the past four days. Um, Anything you have to add other than it must be awkward for Triple H and Stephanie to be back working with Nick Khan after he had a role in removing them? Yeah, yeah. And now, like, yeah, the rumor is that pretty much the main roster is going to become black and gold. Yeah, like the we'll same put sort of belts in the bin. <laughs> Um, not 2.0, black and gold. So, like, no, Triple H yeah. is ru rumoured to have been bringing back some people that got released. That he sort of loved and cared about and he considered well, his projects. So free agent at the moment who got released? Two people come to the top of mind that were NXT projects that have been released and all, all that Joe left Gano the company. And Kate, Candace? 
Gargano and Candice, and then Bray Wyatt also comes to mind. The thing I saw about Bray Wyatt was that Tony Khan asked why he hadn't signed him, and Tony Khan said the price was too high. Yeah, and I don't think that matters to the WWE. No. I suppose we'll talk about this more next week. Um, Stephanie came out, cut a promo. The fans started to chant, thank you, Vince. She said, no, don't chant yet. And she kept talking, and then she said, now we can chant. And the fans were kind of like, I don't want to chant now that you're telling me to. Yeah, yeah, it was real weird. Um, Also interesting that the news broke five minutes after trading hours for the stock market closed. Five minutes after. (laughs) Um, Well timed. And also it breaks just as the weekend is starting, so it sort of gives like a couple of days for the heat to sort of die down a bit before the market opens up again on the Monday. So I thought that was actually like Vince's last great fucking business move. Um, Just like there's so many things that he does just fantastic as a businessman. It's just like he's a piece of shit. Um, I suppose uh, the last little bit of housekeeping is uh, when we get back to Bugs, Alex will continue to use him uh, just because we have a few months ran out in advance and Alex has, I think, three months left until Starcade. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think we've got, yeah, so we've got Halloween Havoc, uh, then month 11, which was go, fuck it. Full disclosure, it was going to be the global boarding tour. I was going to do an Australian show, but something changed. I'm now doing Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. Ooh. <laughs> something different, right? Um, and then month 12 will be Starcade. And... Do you have your notepad just quickly? Uh, not, uh, I can pull it up. Why is that? Uh, just, just maybe a... Look back at that first Rock and Wrestling Rager where they had a famous cameo and a quite an audible chant for a while. Where they had somebody fly in during a match. Okay. Um, I'm, I can't really remember it. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll message you later. That's just a little tease for the humans and if Alex remembers. Yeah. Oh, uh, shit. We've so the, a... tw- the 2018 one before AEW. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Holy shit. They had some great bands on that show. Yeah. Anything uh, else and we should add or should we wrap up? Um, we should probably wrap this up. Um, yeah. Dude, probably should talk about this offline or when we're not recording, but I think I can probably jump online and jump on the microphone and do Fall Guys with you on Twitch whenever you feel like having me on. Yeah, we can uh, work that out. Yeah, so uh, there's a teaser for the humans, maybe one of these weeks. Like, stay stuck to Chris's Twitch because it's fucking great. It honestly is. It's really good. Um, when I'm not angry and yelling at people. 
Yeah, and like, I didn't get a chance to join it live last week at all, and you did like three shows last week, three streams last week. Two or three, yeah. Yeah, you did like a surprise one on Saturday, I believe. Yep. Um, which is cool. So you got to stay tuned to his Twitter as well. So you never know when he's just going to be like, oh, fuck it, I'll do a stream tonight. Um, yeah, like I highly recommend it. Like I'll go back and watch him, even if I can't catch him live. Like I'll go back and watch him sort of in highlight form. And yeah, it's always great. Um, yeah, I can't plug Chris's Twitch enough because I really want the humans to get behind it. It's fucking great. Um, hopefully I get to do a little bit here and there with him as well as he teaches me the world of Discord, which I have no idea about. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, it's all good. So uh, what's been going on on the Smack It Down podcast and where can the humans find that? Uh, well, uh, the most recent episode dropped last week. Uh, you can find it at Sid underscore pod on Twitter. Uh, search us up Smack It Down Podcast wherever you get podcasts. Because um, Joel Bateman has the password to the Twitter account and hasn't uh, hasn't given us access to it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So oh, well. we, we don't have access to it, so that's why there's no posts. Um, so you can... Just go on there and you can find the Twitter accounts of the other two hosts, Corey Gold and Jay Silver. Um, admittedly, my name was going to be Fruity Bronze on that show, but I thought that was fucking dumb. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was told that and I said, ain't going to work for me, brother. <laughs> I've already built my own brand, brother. I've been working the territory for two, three years now. And you're going to bring me over and completely repackage me, brother. Uh, I ain't going to be Max Dupree. I'm going to be Eli fucking Drake. Oh, God. <laughs> um, shit. Uh, but if you want to follow the Eli Drake of Australian Wrestling Podcast, uh, follow me at Fruity is Alex on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to follow, I guess, the 2012 Impact of Wrestling podcasts, uh, follow us at WrestleOzStyle with an AUS. Search us up on Facebook, Wrestling Oz Style, and you can find Chris at... at I'm Chris Funder. Also, come watch me on Twitch at Chris Funder. You can go back listening to the Wrestling All Star Archive for free on SoundCloud, Good Podcast, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or the RSS feed, Family Show Notes, Play. Nothing left to say, but good day, and we'll speak to you next time.
Dummy, yeah. Yeah, I'm back. Better than ever. The Eli Drake of Australian wrestling podcasting. (laughs) Yeah. Dummy. Yeah. Dummy. Yeah.